In the early hours of March 11, 2017, Elisa Mathewson was sleeping at her Valerico, Florida home. The mother of five had two of her children sleeping in bed with her, seven-year-old Bryn and five-year-old Grady. When Elisa was suddenly woken up by water being dripped on her head as the culprit stood over her, she was then dragged into the living room of her home as Bryn and Grady screamed in terror. Soon, Elisa was tied up with items found around her home. For the next 55 hours, she would be held hostage, assaulted, and almost murdered twice by none other than her estranged husband. Trevor Summers used the most shocking and unfathomable sources as pawns in order to break into Elisa's home to commit such horrendous acts. Welcome to another episode of Crimson Sin with Tamsin Lee. I am your host, Tamsin Lee. Full show notes and sources can be found at tamsinleecrimsonsin.podbean.com or you can also find a link in the description. This episode contains references to domestic violence and self-harm. If you or someone you know is a victim of domestic violence, contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. Again, that is 1-800-799-7233. You can also text START, S-T-A-R-T, to 88788. Or visit www.thehotline.org. If you do visit the website, be sure to delete your browser history. That is always important. You can also find these resources in today's show notes. This case was filled with unexpected twists and turns, detailing the captivity and rescue of Elisa Mathewson from her ex-husband, Trevor Summers. What could possibly drive a person to such brutal acts? Let's start from the beginning. In 1995, the couple first met while in high school in Philadelphia. Three years later, they began dating. Elisa described Trevor as spontaneous, charming, and he always seemed to put her first, which was something that she really loved about him. They married in 2001, and Trevor was eager to start a family right away. Everything was perfect as she was a stay-at-home mom with her family growing. Soon, the couple had five kids together. Their children, Arden, Landon, Bryn, Grady, and Cooper. Elisa stated that the more kids they had, she felt the more love there was in their family because she was wanting this picture-perfect life for her whole family. Trevor had started a landscape and pool design company He also did real estate for a little while, but it appears that he was more interested in entrepreneurship 
Elisa stated that he would open up some businesses and then after a while, he would just move on to a new business. This caused the family to move several times in their life as Trevor was always chasing the next opportunity. The Summers family moved from Pennsylvania to Florida to Las Vegas to California before eventually returning back to Florida where the children were homeschooled. Their eldest child, Arden, stated that she is close to her mother, but she was always a daddy's girl as she held a special bond with her father. She remembers going out on, you know, father-daughter dates together and just spending one-on-one -on -one time with Trevor. While the children adored their father and were close to him, the relationship between Elisa and Trevor started to change. She started to feel like her husband was taking control of her life with every new move and every new child. This controlling nature became more prevalent when she could only wear what Trevor selected for her. She couldn't have any male friends on her Facebook page, and she was absolutely forbidden to sit next to a man in church or anywhere. Elisa stated that she was not allowed to have any communication with any man besides her husband. Some other things she noticed about her husband included parts of conversations that she would hear Trevor have on the phone about his businesses. To her, these conversations were not adding up as Trevor was suddenly having all of these financial issues. He wasn't paying his debt and he was bouncing checks. He was even arrested a couple of times, but instead of learning from his mistakes, Trevor would blame his problems on others. He would tell his wife that these were just misunderstandings, giving lame excuses that didn't really make sense. But Elisa would just smile and nod because she didn't want to cause issues and she feared questioning her husband. Like that was something she did not want to do because of his temper. By 2016, Elisa finally had enough walking on eggshells around her husband and asked her husband for a divorce. Trevor begged her to stay, wanting to keep the family together. This worked initially because she really did not want to break the family up. So initially, him begging for her to stay worked. However, his possessive behavior just came out even more as he then took her cell phone away from her and then he took her vehicle away, causing her to feel like a prisoner in her home. During October 2016, she was stuck inside the house with Trevor watching her. He was always home for several weeks. He was just always home. Until one fateful day, he went to work. This is when Elisa seized the opportunity to call a domestic abuse hotline. She talked with the person on the line describing her situation, describing everything that 
Trevor was doing and they responded that she was in a very serious situation like she needed to leave. Unfortunately, before Elisa could get out, Trevor burst through the front door and she claims that he began attacking her. Every time she would try to get away from him, he would block her from leaving the room. But Elisa was still plotting her escape. It took a while for her to gain permission from her husband to take the kids out. This is when she went to stay at a friend's house. And when Trevor found out, he was so angry. He would show up at her friend's house daily. So as she was not feeling safe and she possibly felt that she was putting her friend in danger and not to mention, you know, inconveniencing her by her crazy ex-husband <laughs> that just keeps showing up. She moved herself and her children to a shelter for abused women. After 15 years of marriage, she finally decided, you know what, this is enough, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. And then he got even more controlling when she was like, okay, I'll, I'll keep the family together. He got even more controlling. So, you know, it was basically, I need to get out of this situation. While living in the shelter, Elisa spent months rebuilding her life. She was able to find herself employment and eventually she got herself a home and a car. She also filed for a divorce. But even though she managed to move on, Trevor still remained a part of her life because they shared custody of their children. So she felt like she was being forced to see her now estranged husband twice a week to exchange the kids. Which that was something that should have been expected. I mean, if you're going to get a divorce, that person's going to always be there. By January 2017, Elisa stated that it appeared that Trevor was accepting the fact that their marriage was over. Like, nothing was going to fix this. But about a month later, in February, she agreed to go to Trevor's home to sign the divorce papers. While in his home, he told her that he just needed to talk to her and that he needed to just get everything off of his chest before they got the divorce. He stated that he had multiple affairs and that he had seriously messed up. Trevor was in legal trouble as he was currently awaiting sentencing for wire fraud charges for one of his failed businesses. His life he worked so hard to maintain and control was now spiraling. As Elisa started to leave, Trevor told her that she wasn't going anywhere. He held her down with one hand and with the other, he ran a machete across her chest, placing it against her throat. She said that he then told her that he wouldn't tire up if she remained still and listened to him. She was held in that house for a few hours until she was able to calm him down and convince him to let her go if she did not call the police. 
he let her go, but as soon as she left, she called the police. Investigators interviewed Trevor, who denied threatening Elisa's life. She further stated that the police did not believe her claims because there was no evidence to her accusations. Because she didn't receive any bruises, any cuts, nothing like that. There was no physical evidence that this happened. Investigators stated that they continued looking into the matter, but there weren't any witnesses and there was no physical evidence. So they couldn't just arrest someone based solely off of what that individual said. After this incident, Elisa and Trevor both filed restraining orders against each other. But Trevor took these actions to another level when he told his children that Elisa had lied to the police and was trying to get him thrown in prison. He continued to try and turn the children against their mother by stating that she was the reason their marriage fell apart. Arden stated that her father would tell her and her siblings about how their mother had been constantly cheating on him and acting completely heartbroken while making these claims. This caused Arden to feel that her mother was this awful person. Two days after the incident where Trevor attacked Elisa in his home, Elisa returned back to her house to find that someone had vandalized it. She said that there was graffiti all over the walls and someone had poured Kool-Aid on her bed. Arden had admitted that she had wrote on the walls using chalk and that was her idea. While her father poured the Kool-Aid in Elisa's bed and that that was his idea. Arden had written the word traitor on the wall and she also wrote right above her mother's bed, thanks for being an asshole. Understandably, Elisa had given a key to the house to her children and was just devastated to find out that her daughter was the one who did this. Seriously though, I must say, if you are going through a divorce, leave the children out of it. They are having a hard enough time. They do not need that added stress. Even if the divorced partners just cannot stand one another, you should not talk badly about the other just out of human decency because that is their parent. I just, I just couldn't imagine going through something like this. But people often use their children as a tool, as a way to hurt the other parent. And it's very sad to see that happen. A few weeks later, Elisa was shocked to receive a phone call from Arden stating that she really missed her and that she just really wanted to spend time with her mom like the old days. Arden had also told her that she just wanted to talk things through with her mom. Arden, Bryn, and Grady eventually started staying and spending time with their mother while Landon and Cooper remained with their father. But the entire time, Arden had no idea that she was being manipulated by her father as he continued to claim that he was working to get the family back together. 
making her feel that she was actively participating in something good for their family. While her mother and siblings went to sleep, Arden was secretly texting her father in the other room, letting him know that Elisa was fast asleep. At around midnight, Trevor left his three-year-old son Cooper home alone, asleep in bed, while his 12-year-old Landon rode with him to Elisa's house. She would then let her father in the home through the window. Well, she didn't physically allow him to come in. She left the window unlocked and easily accessible for someone to climb through. But nevertheless, she helped her dad break into her mother's home under the pretense that he would talk Elisa into getting back together with him. Which says a lot about her father as there was a restraining order against him and he still coaxed his daughter into getting her to let him in the home. Arden then went out to her father's vehicle and waited inside with Landon. At 3 a.m. on March 11, 2017, Elisa Mathewson was awoken by water dripping on her face. Panic-stricken, she began screaming into the dark room, Who's in my room? A familiar voice tells her, Calm down, it's just me. Of course, Elisa did not calm down. I mean, she had a restraining order against this man. He had already threatened her before. She was not going to be calm. So she started throwing items from her nightstand at him. That's when he grabbed her by her ankles and pulled her off the end of the bed, dragging her into the living room. Bryn and Grady wake up screaming, Daddy, Daddy, don't kill Mommy. He looked at his two young children and ordered them to get back in your mother's room and don't come out. Elisa put up a fight, struggling to get back to her children in her room. She had hoped that her eldest daughter would hear the ruckus and call authorities. But she had no idea Arden wasn't even in the house. It wasn't until moments passed that the thought occurred to Elisa that Arden wanted Trevor to be there, but Arden was sitting in the vehicle with her brother, believing that her mother, her father, and her two younger siblings would come walking out of the house where they would all return to Trevor's and live happily ever after as a big perfect family. That's what she believed because that's what her father made her believe was going to happen. By 5 a.m., Trevor sent Arden a text stating that the plan had changed. He ordered his daughter to drive all of her siblings to his house and to stay there and wait. Arden was only 14 years old and was terrified to drive, but she still did as she was told. When all of the children were out of the house, Elisa recounts that this was when the situation escalated further. Throwing her on her bed, tying her wrists together with some of her scarves, and tying her to the bed with Christmas lights in a crisscross pattern, 
down her body to prevent her from getting up. After this, he told her that he had come to tell her goodbye. Trevor told her that he was leaving, that he had chartered a boat and planned to go out into international water, stating that he was going to just disappear. She further stated that Trevor told her he had millions of dollars in offshore bank accounts, which she did not believe any of it. But still, she didn't say anything. She wanted to remain quiet so she would not upset him any more than he already was. Her plan was to remain quiet and just listen. Just listen to everything he was saying. Elisa thought that if she remained quiet and obedient, then he would let her go. Over the course of several hours, Trevor proceeded to rape her twice. Elisa stated that he had a razor blade on him that he threatened her with. He would also use NyQuil to make her drowsy and keep her sedated throughout the day. Eventually, he would tie her arms and ankles behind her back using the scarves and some nylon rope. He then used her thumb to unlock her phone and began recording a video. Okay, today is Saturday, March 11th, and I am here with Elisa at her house. Uh, I'm not supposed to be. Um, I'm doing this video because um, just a confession for her. Uh, so that people will understand and believe what's happened in the last few months. Okay, Arden Landon, um, I need to give you guys some information, and I want you to make sure you understand this. Um, I spent a lot of time with Mom the last few hours, and the thing that she's the things that she's told you about me being good at manipulation and control and lying is true. Um, and tying her up today and all that uh, is true. Um, I don't know what's really broken in my head with all this stuff, um, but uh, I need to go away and sort it out. And, um, in this video, he confessed that he was with Elisa at her home, even though he was not supposed to be because he had a restraining order. So he claimed that he was just making these videos so that authorities knew he was there and what he had done before he took this supposed boat trip and just disappeared. But even after recording these videos, Trevor still didn't leave. At around 5.40 p.m., he came back into the room and placed a pillow over Elisa's face, pushing down really hard, trying to suffocate her. Elisa remembers just thinking about her kids before she lost consciousness. But she was able to remember the pillow being removed from her face. 
She stated that he just stared at her. And that's when Elisa started begging for her life, just asking him to please not kill her, telling him that she would do anything, just please don't kill me. He replied, you'll agree to go with me? To which she agreed to go. Be better than dying, right? So she didn't believe the story about them going on a boat and living on international waters. But she was just desperate to stay alive. I mean, if you're desperate to stay alive, you're going to agree to pretty much anything anyone asks of you. With her hands still bound behind her back, he loaded her up into her vehicle. He stopped at a Walgreens to buy more cold medicine. While he was outside of the vehicle, she managed to open the door and stumble through the parking lot trying to run, trying to get away, trying to find help. But as she tried to escape, she could hear Trevor running towards her and catching up to her really fast. He picked her up and stuffed her back into the vehicle. While her escape was unsuccessful, luckily there was an employee outside the store on their break who had witnessed the whole thing. He immediately called the police, stating that he saw a woman with her hands tied, screaming, help me, before being pushed back into the vehicle. The employee gave the police a description of the vehicle he saw, and he had called the police so quickly that Trevor hadn't even pulled out of the parking lot yet. I mean, he still left before police arrived, but still, he just immediately called authorities. And the employee managed to get the license plate number. The Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office found out that the vehicle belonged to Elisa and began a statewide search for her and her vehicle. Authorities eventually found their way to Trevor Summers' home, where they found all of the children alone. Investigators questioned if any of them knew where their parents were. They didn't know where their parents were at at all. And Brennan Grady gave the most heartbreaking interview to investigators. They shared with authorities how their dad tied up their mother and just, it was, it was absolutely just heartbreaking to listen to. Meanwhile, as Trevor drove off with Elisa, she stated that he was very angry for obvious reasons and just screaming at her. That's when he took the razor blade and sliced her wrist, stating that was for getting out at Walgreens. He then spent hours driving the back roads of Tampa Bay Coast, where they had stopped several times, including at one point at a secluded rural area where they hid for over a day. At this location, he wrote a confession detailing everything he had done. He admitted to cutting Elisa's wrist. He admitted to manipulating his daughter into allowing him access into Elisa's house. And just, he just admitted to everything. And 
He also wrote a farewell letter to all of his children, which stated that mommy and daddy would be watching over you in heaven. While in this secluded and rural area, Trevor raped Elisa again two more times. On the morning of March 13th, Trevor had drove them to Little Harbor, which is a resort area the family used to vacation at, so there was a lot of good, happy, fun memories there. When they arrived, he parked the vehicle behind a dumpster and climbed into the back seat with Elisa. Next thing Elisa knew was that there was a rope came down over her head and was placed around her neck. But suddenly, Trevor stopped, and then he quickly jumped into the driver's seat and just took off. And the reasoning that he suddenly did this was because he thought he had been spotted. Trevor is said to have been completely focused on driving, like he wasn't talking, he wasn't saying anything, his focused on the road, lost in thought, what am I going to do? Then he pulls into a random house's carport where he takes out the razor blade and begins slitting his throat. As Elisa screamed for him to stop, police came around the corner with their guns drawn. With officers on the scene, they quickly grab Elisa, put her in the passenger seat of a police car, and just take off with her. She was safe. Once they made it to the station, officers quickly took photographs of her injuries. She still had the nylon rope around her arm. And as she received medical attention, she recounted to them everything she had endured over the last 55 hours. Trevor's attempt to escape was unsuccessful and he spoke to investigators about his actions from his hospital bed where his wounds were stitched up. This talk with investigators amounted to him confessing to what he had done. But even though he admitted to hurting Elisa, trying to suffocate her with a pillow and everything, he told authorities that Elisa voluntarily went along with him and even allowed him to tie her up. He was later charged with 11 counts including attempted murder, kidnapping, sexual battery, and child neglect. Trevor pleaded not guilty, forcing Elisa to see him yet again at his trial. Five years after Trevor Summers' arrest, his trial was set for August 2022. During that five years, the couple's divorce was finalized, thankfully. <laughs> so by the time the trial comes around, they are divorced. The trial had been delayed due to legal reasons and because of COVID. But now, it would be up to a jury to determine whether Trevor's intentions were to kill Elisa or to reconcile. Trevor's court-appointed lawyer stated that Trevor believed he did nothing illegal. I put emphasis on his court-appointed lawyer because while he was giving an interview, it just seemed like 
he didn't want to be representing his client, but was kind of forced to. So I just wanted to point it out that, you know, he was appointed. He was a court-appointed lawyer. So according to his lawyer, Trevor believes he did nothing illegal and that obviously he did not have murderous intent because if he did, then Elisa would be dead. But Trevor had stopped. His lawyer stated that in Trevor's mind, he truly believed everything, including the sex, was consensual. His defense further stated that Trevor could not understand any wrongdoing. He did not understand the difference between consent and acquiescence, which acquiescence just means that you do something with a reluctant acceptance without protest, even though you don't want to. So he just could not wrap his mind around the fact that someone would just be like, yeah, okay, I'll go along with this, just so long as I make it out of this alive. I can deal with all of this other stuff, but I just want to stay alive, so I'll agree with you. He just didn't understand that. However, prosecutors believed without a doubt that Trevor's full intent was to kill Elisa, which their strongest evidence of this was in his confession to authorities at the hospital, where he admitted to putting the pillow over Elisa's face, as well as the handwritten confession that he made while hiding out, and his recorded confession on Elisa's cell phone. During the trial, something that remained questionable that they needed to prove was whether or not Elisa consented to having sex with Trevor. She was questioned by her prosecution, to which, you know, she stated that, well, no, I didn't tell him no, because she didn't want to make him angry. She didn't want to do anything that would cause him to hurt or kill her, so she just went along with everything. So after a short break, it was the defense's turn to ask their questions, to cross-examine her. But then Trevor's defense lawyer waved his hand at the judge and said something that no one expected. He had informed the judge that he had just been fired. So now the cross-examination would be performed by Trevor. So not only did he torment Elisa even further by asking her questions, he also had Bryn, who was now 13, and Arden, who was now 19, take the stand and questioned them. The filming of this trial was insane because not only did Trevor get to question his ex-wife and children, but he also questioned the sergeant who conducted the interview with him at the hospital. Watching it was just unbelievable. And the reason why he was questioning the sergeant was because he felt, because he had stitches that he went through surgery and that he probably wasn't in his right mind to have an interview, that he could have been coerced to confess to things. Even though Trevor tried his best to make himself seem as though he did nothing wrong because he truly believed that he didn't do anything wrong, prosecutors showed all the evidence that jury needed to hear. The recording on Elisa's phone, where he stated that everything his wife had ever said about him being controlling and manipulative was true. 
and that he had her tied up and was holding her hostage. After five hours of deliberation, Trevor Summers was found guilty of all 11 charges. At sentencing, the judge presiding over the case pointed out Arden specifically and told her that she should not feel guilty for anything that happened, which I think was something great that the judge did because a child is going to follow what their parents say, especially when the parent and child are as close as Arden and Trevor were. And he also promised and gotten her hopes up that whatever the problem was that was causing their divorce, that he would be able to reconcile it, that they could all be together. But unfortunately, for many years, Arden still lived with guilt for the role she played in her mother's abduction. After the judge's statement to Arden, he then turned his attention to Trevor, stating that from all the evidence and testimony he heard, his actions make him a monster in every stretch of the word. The judge then said that Trevor would be spending the rest of his life in Florida State Prison, giving him three life sentences followed by 224 years. I have never heard of a sentence so large before. <laughs> like, he had to have seriously made that judge so angry. <laughs> and I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve it because I think he more than proved that if he ever got out, he was going to go after his ex-wife again. So I'm not trying to put him down or say anything bad about him or even state anything like defamation of character. I'm not trying to state anything like that. Elisa and her family are still recovering from the things that Trevor had done. The manipulation and control Trevor wielded over them is something that is going to take time to heal from. But Elisa moved on with her life. In 2018, Elisa remarried to a husband who stated that he will protect her and he was there for her throughout the entire trial. And he is especially there for the children. She currently works as an insurance agent and lives in the Tampa area with her husband and five children. What do you think of today's case? Do you think Elisa Mathewson received the justice she deserved? Let me know your thoughts and requests in the comments. Stay safe and I will see you for the next episode. Bye!